So I'm not Tyson. I, I'm, in case you didn't, in case you're new, it's your first time. Um, Tyson is finishing up some some training today, and so I am kicking off this reset series, and I'm I'm super excited about it. And I'm you know the for the Pell movement, everything we do, I'm just so thankful for the leadership that we have. Um, and Tyson and Lynn, you can give it up for them. That's okay. And Tyson and Lynn. And our leaders week in and week out that show up here, um, people that are doing stuff throughout the week, that are praying, preparing. Um, I'm, I'm just very thankful for the leadership this place has. And, um, man, it's just some awesome things are going to be coming um, our way soon. But as we get started today, um, if you guys would pray with me. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. God, I pray that your word is heard today. God, the message you've placed on my heart is heard clearly today. And, Father, that we as a church can just come before you and put some things back into place. Maybe things that we've let slip away. Maybe things that we've let control kind of go on. And, God, may we just listen and hear your voice today. We pray in your name. Amen. So who, who has a serious decision that you have to make? Right, right, maybe not right now. Maybe in the next couple of weeks. Maybe in the next couple of months. Serious decisions. You know, when, you, when you're making those, you know, I'm not just talking about what's for lunch. You know, I consider that kind of a serious decision, but I'm talking a little more serious than, than what's coming for lunch. But maybe a life-changing decision. And when, and when making those decisions, just think to yourself, how do, you, how do you decide? Do you flip a coin? Do you list out your opportunities, close your eyes, and do eeny, meeny, miny, mo? Whatever I land on, that's what I'm going to do. Do, do you look for studies or others that support your initial perspective and then you want to use that as confirmation of, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do? But most of our big decisions, if we're honest, carry some dedicated thought. What about a New Year's resolution? Who made one? It's a, no, only a few people? We have given up on New Year's resolutions. Um, but those, honestly, I mean, a lot of those end up being emotional decisions because by now they're already given up on them, or we're not doing them at near the level that we thought we would initially. Well, my hope today is that as we talk about this new series, Reset, um, that we, we are ready as a church and as individuals to make some dedicated decisions because too many of our decisions are emotionally based. Like, you know, you feel a little, you get a little more jiggly than you want to be, so you're like, I need to go to the gym. But then when you don't feel that way anymore, you kind of, maybe I don't need to work out anymore. Or maybe you need to spend, you feel like you need to spend more time with your spouse when they complain you don't spend enough time together. But once they stop complaining, then, yeah, I don't need to spend that much time with them. Or I want to work on negative behavior when it's brought to my attention, but when it's not brought to my attention, I don't really want to focus or work on it. Um, those are, or maybe I want to follow Jesus when my world is falling apart, but when my world's all back together, maybe I don't want to follow Jesus. Those are emotional decisions, and I would propose that most of our decisions are that. You have that thought, I need a new car. Well, do you really need a new car? Does your old car still work? Then you don't really need a new car. You can want one. If you have the money to get one, go, go ahead and get me one too while you're at it. But most of the decisions are based on emotion. I, I, I know I do this one a lot. I'm so hungry. I'm starving. I need you to get me to the golden arches as soon as possible for that Big Mac and large fry and a Diet Coke because I want to eat my calories and not drink them. Anybody? Those are emotional decisions. 
When we're depressed, we make emotional decisions. When we're lonely, we make emotional decisions. When we're hurting, we make emotional decisions. When we're hurting, we lash out. It's an emotional response. It's not thought through. We just reacted. So I'm just wanting to challenge our thinking and push the thought that this year, let's make some dedicated decisions. So if I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to make a dedicated decision to work out all year long and eat right all year long. If I want to be a better parent, I'm going to dedicate myself to learning how to be a better parent. If I want to be a better Christian, I will dedicate myself to holy habits so I can become in the moment what I feel, but to keep at it when the feeling is gone. Dedicated decisions. And I hope you're ready to think about some of those um, today as a church. Um, So you don't just come in and say, yeah, God, I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to change. And then when you don't feel bad, you go back to doing whatever you were doing before. That's a religious roller coaster. And we need some true dedication behind change. So before I really dive into this message, um, I need to take you back on memory lane in my life a little bit. See, I grew up in, I was born in 83, so I kind of grew up in the mid-80s, early 90s. I don't know if you're in that era, but that was the, that was the era of Family Matters, who were my Steve Urkel fans. That, that was the era of Wonder Years, Full House, Saved by the Bell, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Anybody in West Philadelphia? Yeah, there we go. Okay. So you're there with me. But the 80s brought to us something that I think got bigger or they didn't think it would get to where it is today, and that is video games, more specifically gaming systems. You know, when I was just a few years old, um, a game system came out after Atari, and if you don't know what Atari is, it's like the OG game system. It was awesome for its time. Um, but it was the Nintendo, the NES. And as you see here, um, you know, it, it was a clunky gray box that had this lid on it that if you were trying to sneak and play a game early in the morning or late at night from your parents, like it was almost impossible to not have that thing squeak. But you had to lift the lid and The cartridges for the games were huge, and if they had any kind of speck of dust on it, it would not work. So you had to blow it off, and then you had to insert the game into it and just slam it down, and sometimes it just wouldn't work. So everybody had their own method of how to get it to work. You know, I'm going to blow the game off three times, slide it in, press down five times, press the power button. Yeah, it worked. But everybody had their own method. Um, But it had minimal buttons. You can see the controller. Um... It's kind of our icon for this series, but you have directions, start, select, A, and B. Very minimal. But on the, on the box itself, it had the power and reset button. And these would become very crucial to your gaming life. If you were doing well, you would announce to everyone around you not to go near the game. Don't touch anything. If you need to watch TV, change the channel because the game didn't save. All your progress that you made, you, you didn't get to save it. So, guys, there was a time before in video games where you didn't get to re, you know, start where you were. You can't leave it off. You just had to leave the game running. Um, but if you were losing, see, these buttons were good if you were losing. Because if you were losing to your friend in Tecmo football or losing to your friend in RBI baseball, you could accidentally trip and hit the reset button and be like, oh, shoot, we got to start again. But for the most part with these games, you had to figure it out. There weren't online walkthroughs. There weren't sites to go for cheat codes. You had to figure the game out. So you're playing for the first time, and you take on level one of Mario. 
and you see this cute little turtle walking back and forth. You're like, oh, I want to go, I'll go talk to that turtle. And as soon as he touches you, you're dead. You didn't know that was going to happen. So now you got to figure out, well, how do we get around the turtle? So you got to figure out how to jump. And as soon as you figure out how to jump, then you get faced with this massive, endless pit of death that you have to find a way to get over that as well that nobody gets by the first time. So you got to figure that out. But the game keeps going on, and you just get more and more obstacles. They throw more and more challenges at you, and then you got to face King Koopa. And now, for, for the older people who don't know that, just stay with me. Young people, stay with me. King Koopa was, like, the, the hardest enemy to face. We're not talking about Fortnite. We're talking about real games right now. <laughs> but stay with me. Eventually, you get to a point where you run out of tries, you run out of lives, and you have to hit the reset button. And I used to hate having to hit the reset button because I had to start over. And I didn't, I didn't want to start over. And, you know, some of you might be connecting kind of where we're going with this series. And you're like, well, I don't want to start over. I don't want to start over in my marriage. I don't want to start over in my finances. I don't want to start over in my weight loss system. I don't want to start over in working on my thoughts. I don't want to start over. I used to hate that. Why do I have to start over? But as I got older and a little wiser with the game, I realized I'm not starting over. I'm starting again with a new advantage, with a new perspective. Because I learned some things along the way, so I'm not starting from the same place. I'm actually just getting started with a new advantage. So here's what that means. You might have screwed up in your relationships previously, but you can reset with a new advantage. You might have been good with your, not good with your money last year, but you can reset with a new advantage. You, you might have messed up in your purity, but you can reset and start again with a new advantage. To everyone else around you, it might have looked like you were losing, but you can reset, you can start over with a new advantage because you know how to jump now. You know how to warp now. You know how to get firepower now. You can reset. So somebody, if you're excited about this, high-five your neighbor. Tell them, I'm about to reset. Some of you were excited. I, I, I'm, I'm glad you're, some of you are with me. See, resetting is not going back. It's starting over with a new advantage. So now I know how to be at that house late and not do what I did before. Now I know how to not let myself be with that group of people because I'm more likely to slip up when I'm with them. And now I know the warning signs of, of a bad relationship or a friendship I shouldn't be in. Or now I know the triggers of my own mind when I need to reach out to someone or dig deeper into God's word and what he says about me because I'm about to go to a place where I think things about myself that are not healthy. You can reset. Start now with a new advantage. Even as a church, We've done some things wrong. We've done some things right. But we're about together to press the reset button and take this thing to a new level with a new advantage. So when we talk about resetting, it's about getting things back where they belong. And here's how you can start with a new advantage. Colossians 1, 15 through 18. It says this. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things we can see and things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. So what this means is there are some things that happen supernaturally 
that is affecting your life. And what you do here in the natural affects what happens in the supernatural. Let me say it another way. There are principalities, darkness and light, kingdom and the enemy, God and the devil. And what you do here affects what happens in the supernatural. So you might be frustrated with how things are going in life, but it is what we do in, with the seen things that affect the unseen. And the Bible says that Christ is the ruler over all them. It says everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. And that's key right there, because a lot of us have us first in everything. But to actually be living a life where the unseen works for us, Jesus must be first in everything. So we have to ask ourselves, is he? Is he first in everything? Or is he just first on Sunday? Is he just first when I need something? Or is he first in every moment of my day-to-day living? Or just first in areas where I want him to be? Because he needs to be first in everything. And when he is, it changes what happens in the unseen, which means you get a different outcome here in the scene. Say first. Thank you. The definition of reset is to set again or differently. So maybe today you need to set some things differently in your life. And we're getting ready to talk over a few of those areas. But maybe you've been doing something for the past few years a certain way. And you can try it a little bit differently. You've got everything in the right area, but you just need to reorganize a little bit. Or if you're, you know, a Netflix fan, do a little Marie Kondo to your situation. Set your habits differently, your schedule differently, your priorities differently. But then there's to set again. And this is like if you have a broken bone, in order for it to heal right, you've got to have it reset. You've got to have it popped back into place. And it hurts. But over time, some things in our lives that we thought were, were here have gotten over here. They've gotten out of place. And if we're going to reset, we've got to take that thing that we value and set it again. Not just differently, but move it back to where it needs to be. Have you ever had the thought, how did my marriage get this way? Something is out of place. How did my faith get this way? Something is out of place. How did my relationship with my kids get this way? Or... or I, I was, I'm doing well with my sobriety, but now I'm struggling again. Or, I, you know, I was being tempted in my purity. What's going on with that? Or I used to have this dream, but now I don't even know if I want to do that anymore. Something is out of place. And I'm just saying we need to take a step back to reset so God can get things where they need to be. And so we can be what he desires us to be on this reset. The Bible says in Psalms, Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit in me. And we touched on this last week. This is the writer David. He did a lot of great things, but he also made some huge mistakes. So what this is saying is that there are moments in life where our heart can get dirty, where it can get tainted. It can get infected with things that we don't quite know how they got there. And there are things and areas that make up our life, and we don't look at them all the time because a lot of us, you know, if you're a Christian, when you first came to Christ, you can probably remember you were all in. You were, God, I will do anything, whatever you want. And you were, you know, screaming all that John Legend, all of me loves all of you. <laughs> but over time, you start trying to figure it out on your own. 
we get comfortable and things get out of place. So I'm a visual learner. And so this is the best way I could come up with how to try to help show this. But let me give some ideas of some things that we might have taken more control over that we need to give God back the control. What about your thoughts? What are you thinking about? Does God decide or do you? Do you pick and choose what you are thinking about, what you think about yourself, what you think about other people, about the opposite sex, about people of different races, how people act, thoughts about leaders, politicians, your coworkers? Who is deciding? Is it in you or is it in God? What about your health? Who needs a reset in their health? I just kind of want to throw this ball away. Health isn't just about what we eat, though. A lot of times, thoughts go to gluttony, and gluttony is not just about eating a bunch of French fries when you're already full. Gluttony is taking in more than what you need. It is a selfish spirit that consumes more than what is necessary. And I'm not talking about gluttony. I'm talking about overall health, mind, spirit, and body, your overall health. And health is dictated by your intake, what you allow in, and how you protect what you are trying to build. So to get healthy with your body, I would say, watch what you eat, your intake, and work out a little bit. Build some muscle around that. But, but, but what about your spiritual health? What about your mental health? What are you allowing in to affect your spiritual and mental health? And what are you doing to strengthen it, to build it up, to protect what you are trying to build? Do you decide or is God deciding? What about your home? Does God rule and reign in your house? Is his standard what runs your home, how you treat your spouse, how you treat your kids, how you act towards those around you? Uh, or is it you act one way on Sundays, you know, we're not going to act like that in church, but once we get home, we're a whole different way. If that's true, then God doesn't really have your home. So who is in control? We just talked about this. What about our heart? Some of you, your heart might be bitter. It might have been broken. There are things that you haven't forgiven, and that makes your heart tainted. And, you, and it makes it impossible to love like you used to love, like you're designed to love. So you can't accept people like you used to. You can't freely give of yourself like you used to. The question is, are you going to keep holding on to what your heart says? Or are you going to say, God, take my heart Give me a clean one so I can love people, so I can forgive people, so I can live free from this stuff, so I can get this out of me. I don't want to have a tainted heart. God, give me a clean heart. Oh, what about this one? Your mouth. Enough said on that. Here's one, sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. I knew some of you were saved. Singing that song. Um, this is a tough one, and, and something all of us need to kind of reflect on. Um, whether we're married or single, who's in charge? Are you deciding what's okay for your body? Are you setting the terms on who has access to you? Or is God setting the terms? Are you deciding what's okay to take in, or are you, are you letting God decide? Some of you who are married... This is tough. We may need to reevaluate this because you've been withholding this from your spouse. 
there are moments or seasons of your life where you might not want to engage with that, and maybe your body has changed, and your spouse ends up suffering because you're unwilling to give this over to God. So, So how far is too far? When is it inappropriate touching? How much should we? When should we? Who should we? Who decides? Is it in you or is it in God? And for a lot of us, it used to be over here. But over time, we might have let it slip back over to here. The good news is we can press the reset button and get it back into God. What about our values? Who decides what's valuable to you? Who sets that? What about your standards? Some of us have lowered our standards, but God sets a standard of how to live. So who sets it for you? Do you decide or does God? What about your plans? What will you do with your life? Where do you invest your energy? Um, What what are you going to do with your talent? Who decides? Is it in you or is it in God? And and the last one I want to cover, I know there could be a lot of things. But I, I don't think there's anything else more plaguing our society, our culture right now than maybe this one. That at one point we probably had in God, but we've moved to our control for some of us, is our peace. Where do you go for peace? Here's what Jesus said. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 11. It says, are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me and I will refresh or reset your life. For I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine, learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. So peace is found in Jesus. Not a time frame, not a social status, not our spouse, not our kids at a certain age, and not even our pastor. Peace is found in one person, and that is Jesus. He says, come to me. I will give rest. And it would have been really neat if Jesus would have said after this, where exactly we go, like a location or a plan. You know, it just says, come and rest in me. It'd been great if he said, hey, River Church, come to me. I will give you rest, and then we'll go to Tahiti. But he doesn't, because the silent inference here is that he is enough. And if we would focus more on who we are going with in the journey rather than where we are going, maybe he would send us to a place that we never thought was possible for us to go on our own. If we understood this as a church, how awesome would it look for a movement of people to not just go where they are equipped, but to go where only God can sustain? That's where miracles happen, where change happens, where where everything can get altered by him. And so we come to this conclusion that peace is not a feeling. It's not a destination. Peace is a person. And if you get this, you stop looking for the perfect situation in life because you already have the perfect Savior who is with you always. So our prayers begin to be, God, put me in the worst situation because peace is coming with me. Imagine the change that would be for our society. Because panic, we see it right now everyday world. Panic is contagious, but so is peace. And the truth is that you have as much access to the peace of God as anyone else, but it's going to take work. It's going to take 
passion. It's going to take spending time singing your own songs, praying your own prayers all throughout the week, not just on a Sunday morning. Because we have access to the one who is peace. And we can say, Lord, teach me your ways so I can be functional in this dysfunction. Family, this is our opportunity to reset, to get our focus back. No one is immune to slipping up, especially when it comes to peace. We let anxiety, worry, and doubt in, and it begins to take over. And I just want to say this. If you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with worry, it's okay to talk about it. Too often, we want to kind of just push that aside. But, you know, yes, everything starts and ends with Jesus. But in the middle, there are doctors, there's therapy, there are small groups, there are recovery groups. There are a lot of others that we can walk through this with. So if you've ever felt like a lesser Christian because you deal with pain that no one else can see, it's the same as anyone dealing with pain you can see. So shame off of you. And men, if we're honest, we're a lot worse when it comes to being honest about what we struggle with. And I heard it put like this recently. For too long, we have been told to man up. What does that even mean? I would rather look at this as be a part of a new generation. Man down, on your knees, asking God to do whatever he wants because we are all in on Christ. I would rather be a man on my knees looking vulnerable than a man on my feet living shaky because I don't want anybody to think I don't have it all together. So church today, shame off of you. If you need to get help, get help. It's okay to not be okay. And there are a lot of people here in this room that would love to help walk you through this journey. So as I close, don't get too excited. I have seven closes. So as I close, I want to give good instruction with how to handle all of this. And hopefully it will help us to reset, take this next journey as a church together. I'm gonna turn to a guy much smarter than myself though. I'm gonna look to Paul and he will show us how God is not afraid of our worry or doubt or any of our struggles. He wants all of us regardless. Philippians four, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Christ Jesus. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. How do we get peace? We focus on him. We fasten our thoughts on every glorious work of God, how he sees us, how he sees others, his plan for us. So this is why as a church we're doing this reset series. This is why We're going to take these next steps together, and we're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting. We are going to make a dedicated decision as a church to come before God and reset. This is a moment where we can consciously come to God and say, I need to reset. Show me what needs to change in my life. Show me what I need to release, what I need to reset. So if you had some things on the you side and some on the God side, You're a perfect candidate for this 21-day reset. 
If you were all in, you have everything in God, you are the perfect candidate for this 21-day reset. If you were all in on you, you are the perfect candidate for this 21-day reset. And here's what happens. Everything starts with prayer. It opens us up to God. It allows the supernatural to invade the natural in our lives. It's where we admit our weaknesses and struggles and where we cry for help and say, God, help me through this. Help me to see or help me to get over, help me to heal, help my thoughts. It's through prayer that we realize what we have on the wrong side and discover what needs to move back. And then we sit, we be still, and we listen for his voice. And it needs to be a daily thing when we reset, not just a one and done. Because what happens is if we're set on me, if I'm set on me, on me, I'm broken. On me, I'm hurting. On me, I'm lonely. On me, I'm a failure. But on God, I'm whole, complete. So, Father, help me to reset everything on you. So next week, um, we're, we're going to give you a little more information on this. We're going to start this next week. We're going to give booklets. We're going to have stuff online. We're going to have stuff on social media. Um, but everything starts with prayer, but we're also going to do 21 days of fasting. And fasting simply says, God, I need you more. I need you more than my money. I need you more than my dreams. I need you more than my plans. I need you more than my friends. I need you more than my stuff. I need you more than this Big Mac and large fry. I need you more. Fasting says for this time, I'm going to focus on this versus that. I'm going to deny myself and focus on Christ to build a discipline. And maybe, hopefully, it becomes a regular part of your life. But at least for 21 days, we will dedicate a decision to prayer and fasting. The types of fasting, Tyson's going to go over next week, but there's the Daniel fast, there's a full fast, there's a partial fast, there's a media fast. What It's basically asking God, what would be challenging for me to give up? What takes up time that I could dedicate to growing in you? Could I give up social media? Does that take a lot of my time? Could I give up if I play a lot of video games? Could I give up video games? Could I give up coffee? My goodness, for me, that would, I would need a lot more prayer if I gave up coffee for 21 days. So would my family. But it's something that you give up, and in place of you using and being a part of that thing, you spend time with your creator. Ask yourself, what will be challenging, and commit to it. Think about it. Don't make an emotional decision. Make a dedicated decision. But some of you need to not just fast for 21 days, not just give something up for 21 days. Some of you need to give up you, and not for 21 days, but for the rest of your life. You need to give up your way and the way you've been doing it. You can't win the way that you've been doing it. You need Jesus. And the only way that happens is is if you give up your life and surrender it to the one who can help reset the things in your life that have gotten so out of place. So I'm going to ask this with every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you today, make a dedicated decision, not an emotional one. Do you need Jesus Not a genie in a bottle, but someone to lead you through this life and lead you in truth and understanding and help you to be 
who you were created to be. If you are here today and you know you need to surrender, I have good news. He is the God of the reset. And he loves this moment. This is why, this is why we are here. Every week we come so you can have the opportunity to reset. If you're here and Jesus is not the Lord and Savior of your life and you want him to be, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to, to set something different in your life. And in a few seconds, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. And what you're saying is, please pray for me. Because today I want to surrender my life to Jesus. So again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, just slip your hand up. This is your reset. This is your moment. Nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to be afraid about. This is your reset. Putting everything back in order. Saying, God, I need you and I can't do this without you anymore. You can put your hand down. And I'm going to pray over all of us. And as we close this out, if you need prayer for anything, as others are dismissed, feel free to come forward. We will pray with you. We will meet you here. You have a God who loves you. You have a God who wants you to be the best you that you can be. He's got a vision for you. He's got a plan for you. But we have to release and allow him to take control and take over and trust that he has what's best for us. So Father, I pray for every hand that was risen. I pray you do a work that only you can do, that today is a new beginning and a fresh start starts right now. Church, if you would, pray this after me. Say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to live for you and love you all the days of my life. Today I'm new. Today I'm changed. Today I'm forgiven. Today I'm free. Today I'm reset. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Church, you are dismissed. If you want to hang out in the lobby, feel free to do so. If you need prayer, come down, meet us down here. We will pray with you, pray over you. We want this to be the best next 21 days. So we'll start next week, start praying, God, what can I give up? What can I change? We love you guys. We will see you guys next week.